Well, good morning. Oh, you guys can do better than that. All I hear says good. Good morning. Good morning. All right, I like that. Well, I am excited to be with you. I'm excited because we have an opportunity to open God's Word. And uh, I love what Neil said, that it's not just another book. It is the inspired Word of God. And so I believe that when we open the Word of God, we come face to face with Him. And we've been doing a study in the book of Colossians. We're going to continue doing that. I don't know about you, but I have been so encouraged as I've heard the sermons. And I'm just looking forward to what God's going to say to us this morning. But before we do that, let me pray and let's ask God to come and speak to us. Sound good? Let's pray good. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the fact that we can gather and that we can worship you, Lord. I pray that we'd never, ever get tired of that. But Lord, these next few moments, we're going to open your word, and our desire is to hear from you. We've worshiped you. Now we want to hear from you. So Lord, I pray that you remove all the distractions. Allow these next few moments to be sacred. Allow us to focus on you intentively. Lord, I pray you remove all distractions. Get me out of the way, because we're here to hear from you this morning. Lord, you are the potter. I am the clay, and I thank you for that privilege. And I pray, amen. Well, if, any, if you know me, you know this, that I am a visual learner. And so I love, I love objects. And so I brought an object with me this morning, as always. And I got to be careful with this one, because this could actually hurt me. I have brought with me, oh, it's dangerous. Uh-oh. Oh, these are sharp. All right. I have brought with me a fishing lure, okay? Anyone into fishing? Okay. Now, here's the thing that's really interesting. The majority of us, when we look at this lure, what we see are the hooks. Now, these aren't just normal hooks. These are called treble hooks. There's three hooks in one, okay? And you'll notice on the end of the hook, there is a barb. And this barb is designed to go in, but not come out, right? I'll never forget, I was fishing one time, and there was a guy probably 30 feet from us in another boat, and uh, he decided that day to go fishing barefoot, you don't do that, all right? He stepped on one of these. And from the way he was interacting, you could tell it went in really nicely, but he was having a hard time getting it out. Now, here's the crazy part. A fish doesn't see these hooks. What it sees is the colors. It sees the red eyes. It sees the green black on the back. It sees the orange and yellow on the belly. And this part right here, when you connect it and it drags to the water, it actually makes motion. And it actually gets the fish excited. And the fish hits it. The interesting thing is, the reason why we see the hooks is because we are the predator. The reason why the fish doesn't see the hooks is because it is the prey. So my question to you is this, is when does the fish notice the hooks? after it's bit, after it's trapped. In fact, a seasoned fisherman can make, can use this lure and make it look so real to entice the fish to hit. You know, Romans 12 says this. Romans 12 too says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. And so we know this, that we live in a world that longs to conform us. But what I want us to understand this morning is this. It doesn't force us. What it does is it lures us. We live in a world that is constantly luring us away from Jesus. I want to qualify this. The true Jesus. I've heard this said many times, just focus on the inner self because you're the most important person you'll ever know. They'll tell us this, that if we're good, the universe will be good to us. 
And if somehow we can channel the right energy, then things will work out in our favor. And what I want to challenge you with this morning is this, is that these are little things that just lure us away. Now, we shouldn't be surprised because the Bible tells us that our enemy is the master of deception. So he knows exactly what to say, exactly what to do, and exactly what to offer to lure us away from the truth. Now, like I said, we've been in Colossians. And the passage we're going to look at this morning, Paul actually deals with this. And so if you've got your Bibles or your phones, I want you to go to Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, because I want you to see this for yourself, okay? Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, let me read it for you. It says this, I want you to know how hard, this is Paul speaking, how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mysteries of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to, see how, uh, delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm you are in your faith in Christ. Now, I want us to notice this. I want you to notice how Paul opens this passage. He says, I want, to, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you. I looked up the definition of contend. It means this. It means to strive in opposition or against difficulties, to struggle. And so what we need to realize is Paul is actually fighting for these believers. And note this, he is fighting on his knees because he realizes the power of prayer in the spiritual battle that they are in. Now, last week, we saw Paul's intention for his audience in Colossians 1.28. Let me read it for you. It says, he, referring to Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, get this, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. You see, Paul's desire for every one of us as believers is that we would be fully mature. And so in verse 2, what he says, he kind of gives his goal, what he wants these believers to experience, and it's threefold. He says, first of all, what I want them to experience is encouragement. Look at verse 2. It says this, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart. Now remember, we said that Paul is contending for these believers because these, be these believers are in a battle. They're suffering for their faith. And so Paul's desire here is to encourage them for them to be encouraged in heart. Now, the reason why Paul uses the word heart here is not just referring to the emotional side of us. What he's referring to is their whole being, who they are at the core, their mind, their emotions, and their soul. Because Paul doesn't want us to feel good because he's writing in this letter. What he wants is this. He wants their minds to be encouraged by the truth that Jesus is enough. And he wants their souls and their spirits to be assured by knowing more of Christ. And so what I love is this, is the encouragement that Paul gives them is not an encouragement that the world can rob from them. Because this encouragement is actually rooted in Christ. 
So the first thing he wants them to experience is encouragement. The second thing he wants them to experience is endearment. Look at verse 2. It says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart. But look, look at this. United in love. I don't know if you realize this, but unity is crucial for the body of Christ. Here's a newsflash. We are not meant to do this Christian life alone. There are no lone rangers in the body of Christ. It's interesting. Jesus prays for us in, in, in John chapter 17. And what he does is this. He first of all prays for himself that his actions and his attitudes would be glorified, would glorify the Father as he goes to the cross. But then he also prays for his disciples that they would have strength as they continue. But then he prays for us in verse 20. Let me read it for you. It says this. My prayer is not for them alone, the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Get this. That, they all, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Think about all the things that Jesus could have prayed for us. There's so many things. But he chooses to pray for unity. That those who would follow him through the message of the gospel would be unified. In fact, he says this, that our unity actually makes Jesus' message believable. Now think about this. If that is true, the opposite is also true. Our disunity as believers, what it does is this. It actually discredits the message of Jesus. And so Paul says this, you need to be united. But he doesn't stop there. He says you need to be united in love. Because love binds this unity together. I love this verse, Jesus, and you're going to recognize a very familiar one. John 13, 35, it says this, Jesus is speaking. But this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for what? For one another. In other words... The world will know we belong to Christ by the love that we have for each other. Now, I'm, I'm not foolish. I know this. But it is tough sometimes to love people. There are people in my life, I won't mention any names. John Hollingsworth? No, it's okay. Um, who is very, very hard. No, he's, he's an easy guy to love. But the fact is, is what Paul is saying is this, this love that unifies us is not of this world. This love is not selfish. It's not, un, it's not conditional. It's not temporary. This love is rooted in God. It's a love that is selfless. It is unconditional, and it is lasting. I love what Paul is going to say in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, that we're going to get to soon. It says this, Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together, listen to me, in perfect unity. And this love is only made possible because of what Christ did for us. And of the fact that God first loved us. Now, we need to get this. We can claim to have all the knowledge necessary to resist false teaching 
and to identify enticing doctrines that are false. But if there is no unity among us as believers and there is no concern for each other, what I would say is this, is we actually make ourselves more vulnerable to the enemy. So being united in love is crucial for believers. So Paul's desires for them to experience encouragement, endearment. Here's the last one I want to give you. He wants them to experience enrichment. Look at verse 2 again. Let me read it one more time. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mysteries of God, listen, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I want you to notice the words that Paul uses here. He uses the word full and complete because Paul doesn't want us to have some of the riches of partial understanding. He wants it to be full and complete because here's the thing, is God desires for each one of us as believers to know him fully and not partially. And that is why Paul says that God has revealed his mystery to us, which is Jesus Christ. Remember what Paul said in Colossians chapter 1 last week, verses 26-27, referring to Christ, he said this, Christ is the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, I believe this, that God wants all of us as believers to experience understanding, wisdom, and knowledge. In fact, the word uh, translated understanding literally means this. It means to place together. God desires for each one of us to have the ability to assess things. But wisdom, God desires this because wisdom implies the ability to defend what you understand. And then knowledge suggests the ability to grasp the truth. Now, that I believe is the definition of what a fully mature person in Christ looks like. One who has complete understanding and one who has discovered the treasures and the wisdom, a treasure of wisdom and knowledge that are hidden in Christ. Now, verse four here, I think is the crux verse. Because in verse four, what he says is this, he gives the reason why it is so important for us as believers to be fully mature in Christ. Listen to what he says. I tell you this, so that no one may, be de may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. See, in that day, there were false teachers in Colos and in Laodicea, and what they were trying to convince the believers is this, is that somehow they were missing out. The false teachers claimed that they had some new spiritual riches and mysteries that were worth buying into, and that somehow, somehow, Jesus wasn't enough. And so they were like, Jesus, they still talked about Jesus, but Jesus plus. Now, even though that happened so many years ago, it sounds familiar today. You guys know much about progressive Christianity? Right? I just finished reading a book on progressive Christianity, and as I read the book, I heard this over and over again, because it was defending against progressive Christianity. It was all Jesus plus. Yes, we still believe in Jesus, but there is something more. 
There are new hidden mysteries. And somehow Jesus isn't enough. But Paul tells us this, that God already revealed his mystery to us, and that is Jesus. And Jesus is more than enough. Amen? Now, here's an interesting thing. I saw this equation, which I thought was really interesting. It says Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Because listen to me, it's all about Jesus and Jesus alone. And if you go to our website, you will see that plastered right in the front because that's what it is. It is all about Jesus. God has revealed his mystery to us in his son, Jesus Christ. And so here's the question we need to answer. What can we do as believers to avoid being lured away by fine-sounding arguments? Because they're out there. I want to give you two things. And you can put them on your phone, write them down, whatever. Two things. Number one is this, is know the truth. We need to know the truth. The greatest weapon against deception, listen to me, is truth. Now, let me give you a little simple, very simple object lesson because I'm a very simple person. Okay, here's the thing. What is this? It's a cell phone. How do you know it's a cell phone? Because you know the truth. But if you had no idea what a cell phone was, I could probably convince you that this was something else. But guess what? I can't. Because you know the truth. It's interesting. Truth allows us to spot lies. I've been a pastor for 30 years. And I think what scares me the most in the church today is the lack of biblical knowledge that many believers have. It blows my mind. And the reason why is because the only biblical content most Christians get is Sunday morning when the pastor preaches. And because he's the pastor, and because he's a nice guy, they believe everything he says without question. And the best image I can come up with is the image of a baby bird with its mouth wide open, just swallowing everything the mother bird has chewed up for them. And the sad part is this, these believers have no idea, no idea, how to digest scripture for themselves. And listen to me, they are being lured away. I've seen it firsthand. I'm going to tell you something. One of the many things I love about Blue Water, so I can brag about Blue Water. I'm not on staff, so this is not a paid commercial, right? But the one thing, the one of the many things I love about Blue Water, and Pastor Tim and Pastor Scott have said this many times from this stage, they encourage us to wrestle with the text. They emphasize us, they emphasize to us the importance of having our own copy of the Word of God. And I heard Pastor Tim say this a few weeks ago. They challenge us not to take what they say at face value, but to go home and discover it for ourselves. You see, God desires for us to know the truth so well that we can spot a fake. 
And we all know this. I've heard this illustration so many times, but counterfeit money, you know, those who detect counterfeit money, they don't study the counterfeits. What they do is this. They study the real thing. In fact, they know the real thing so well that they can spot a counterfeit from miles away. And so my question to all of us this morning, including myself, is this, is how well do we know God's truth? And can we spot a counterfeit? And so if we want to make sure that we're not lured away by these fine-sounding arguments, the first thing we have to do is this, is we have to know the truth. Second thing I would say to you is this, is we have to live the truth. I believe that knowing the truth and living the truth go hand in hand because truth is solidified when you live it out. Let me give you another basic illustration. That chair you're sitting in. Think about it for a moment. At some point in your life, you discovered the truth. I don't know how old you were, but you discovered the truth that you could sit in a chair and it would actually hold your weight. So you knew the truth. But you didn't stop there. You took it to another point in your life where you actually lived out that truth and physically sat in a chair. I know this is basic, but in that moment, that truth was solidified in your life. So now you do it without even thinking. Right? The same thing applies to God's truth. It's not enough just to know God's truth. I think we need to live it out. You see, when we live out the truth that we know, that truth actually becomes solidified in our lives as well. Because when you experience it, it becomes more real to you. Remember what Paul says. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 5. Listen to what he says about these believers. For though I am absent with you in the body, I am present with you in spirit. And delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Paul says this, he was so delighted in them because they were disciplined and they were firm in their faith. It was because they knew the truth, but they didn't stop there. They also lived the truth. And my question for all of us, if Paul was here today, what would he say of us? How disciplined and firm are we in our faith in Christ? Because here's the fact, and we can't deny it. We live in a world that longs to lure us away with new truths and fine-sounding arguments that if we don't know the truth, truth, we can easily get lured away. But here's the great thing is God has revealed his truth in the person and the power of Christ. We need to know the truth and we need to live it out so that we can identify the hooks of the enemy. Because remember this, Jesus is more than enough because it's all about Jesus and Jesus alone. Let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the fact that we have your truth revealed in your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I don't know where we are this morning, but if we're the average Christian, our biblical knowledge isn't that much. So I pray that no matter where we are, that we be challenged this morning, first of all, to know your truth better, but not just to know it, to live it out. Because Lord, we know that we live in a world that longs to lure us away from you. 
Lord, I pray that we would put the work in so that we can stay as close to you as we possibly can. Lord, I pray the things that we have heard you say to us this morning would hit our hearts and change our lives. We love you because you first loved us. In your name we pray, amen. Well, God bless you. You were loved.